This episode brought to you by Manscaped. Use code REVISITED for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. fascination with ghosts, monsters, and the many unearthly elements of the supernatural. Look, this is killer. Enjoy. Wow, the glasses from Nutty Zombies from Hell. Lose yourself in it. Do you like a closer look? Really? But whatever you do, don't step over the rope. Stepped over this rope when I'm in front of a podcast microphone. What the heck? Wait a second. Oh my god, I'm Trey Harris, and this is 80s Revisited. My wildest dreams come true with this waxwork. Whoa! I guess I better do an intro. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to 80s Revisited Halloween Horror. It's me, your host with the most, Trey Harris. And with me, as always, the work to my wax, however you want to make that work, producer extraordinaire Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And that's right, everybody. We're talking about waxwork, continuing our month of Halloween horror hootenanny as we talk about horror films from the 80s that start with the letter W. And it's been a mixed bag. I mean, we had what we had last week. We had, uh, well, first we had Without Warning. Well, it's kind of boring, but still kind of fun. And then last week we had uh, Witchboard, which was kind of creepy as a kid and everything. But you know what? This week was waxwork. And spoiler alert, this movie was fantastic. <laughs> So, but let's get into it. Let's talk about it. June 17th, 1988. Been a while since we had an 88 movie, it seems. Uh, IMDb gives it a 6.1. Rotten Tomatoes, 60% critics, 46% audience, which really is kind of shocking to me. Estimated $3 million budget. Did not even chart in its opening weekend. Number one that week was Red Heat with uh, Arnold. And number two was Rambo 3 with Sylvester Stallone. Uh, This film only pulled in. 808, excuse me, yeah, $808,000. Didn't even break a million. Wow. Crime shame. However, uh, it must have done really good at home, but couldn't find any information on the rentals because there was a sequel uh, in the 90s, not in the 80s, so we won't cover it on this podcast. So it did make its money somewhere, or somebody at least liked the original enough to greenlight a sequel, uh, which I haven't seen, but I'll tell you right now, I can't wait to fucking watch it. Uh, this was directed by Anthony Hickox. Uh, he also directed Waxwork 2 and Hellraiser 3. And I'll tell you now, you're, you're going to hear a lot of uh, six, de- not even six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but a lot of uh, the same movies mentioned this entire cast. Uh, he also wrote this one and he did write Waxwork 2 as well. Cinematography was by Jerry Lively. He did Waxwork 2, Hellraiser 3, and 4. Warlock the Armageddon, hey, there's a taste of things to come in the sequel of the movie we're doing next week, and Return of the Living Dead 3, and Children of the Corn 3. So Jerry Lively, uh, a decently, uh, you know, a lot of horror cred with his uh, uh, IMDb profile and his cinematography. Music was by Roger Ballon. He also did, uh, the only other thing he did of note was the Highlander TV show. The score in this was nothing special, I don't even remember anything about it. Makeup effects, though, were very fun and entertaining, and those were done by Bob Keane. Uh, and that should be a that's a big name in the special effects community because he did Krull. He uncredited did uncredited work, I should say, on Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. 
Highlander, the movie, not the TV show, Hellraiser, Candyman, Warlock, and Warlock the Armageddon. So uh, that's probably the word of the day is Armageddon, because you're going to hear Warlock the Armageddon about another three times as I'm going through mm-hmm. this cast. Uh, starring veteran of the podcast, Zach Galligan, as Mark, of course, uh, oh, what's his name from Gremlins? What is it? Oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank. Billy. Jesus. Hey, thanks, <laughs> Billy. I was, trying to th- I was imagining Gizmo saying his name, and I kept hearing Danny. I'm like, that's not right. Uh, but yeah, Billy from uh, <laughs> Gremlins 1 and 2. Uh, of course, Waxwork 2 as well. Uh, recently, he was in Hatchet 3, which uh, if you haven't seen the Hatchet series by Adam Green uh, and starring Kane Hodder, highly recommend those good old-fashioned slashers and pretty damn gross too, but definitely uh, aware of what they are. So if you haven't seen the Hatchet series, highest possible recommendation. And also, he starred in, you guessed it, Warlock. The Armageddon. <laughs> uh, Deborah Foreman was Sarah. She was also on April Fool's Day and a veteran of the podcast because she was in Real Genius with our boy Val Kilmer. Uh, Michelle Johnson was China, and I fell in love with her. This girl, she was so gorgeous in this movie. I'm like, oh my God. I could take my eyes off of her. Uh, sorry, Autumn. Uh, but she was also in Far and Away <laughs> with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Uh, Death Becomes Her. And some horror, more horror cred for her. She was in Dr. Giggles. Uh, Dana Ashbrook. If you don't know who that is, it's not a girl. He's a boy. He was Tony, but he is Bobby Briggs from Twin Peaks. Every time I see him, I always think of the scene of him and his dad uh, in, the di- in, the, uh, in the diner in Twin Peaks and that amazing scene where his dad tells him about a vision he had. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go to YouTube and watch it, but I would recommend watching Twin Peaks uh, as opposed to just watching that clip if you haven't seen it already. And also more horror cred for Mr. Dana because he was also in Return of the Living Dead Part 2. And honest, arguably one of the biggest stars from this film is somebody you're not going to recognize probably based on his appearance. And that's uh, Michu Mezazaro. So hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. He's Hans. He's the little person from the cover and the poster art in the film. Uh, he was also in Warlock the Armageddon. But <laughs> most notably, he was Alf in the TV show. Alf. He was Alf from Melmac. He didn't do the voice but he was in the suit. Mm. Uh, so big credit there, uh, big 80s credit there for our boy Michu. He did pass away, however, unfortunately. Uh, and John Rice Davies. I'm not sure if he pronounced his middle name. I think it's Rice, R-H-Y-S. But uh, of course, he was the werewolf in this film. But most notably, what I always first notice him, remember him from, is of course the Indiana Jones series as Sala. But uh, most, even, you know, arguably more, or I shouldn't say arguably, as well known as Sala from the Indiana Jones series. series. He is, of course, Gimli the Dwarf from Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. And uh, rounding out the cast, we have two veteran British actors. I think John Rice davies is British as well. Uh, and Patrick McNee, he was Sir Wilfred. Uh, most notably, he was, he's a veteran of the podcast because he was in The Howling. We'll talk about him again when we finally get to do our Bond month, when I catch up on all the Bond films. Uh, he was in A View to Kill, A View to a, View to a Kill, excuse me. Uh, but most notably, he was in The Avengers. Not that Avengers. He was in the British TV show, The Avengers, along with Diana Rigg uh, back in the old days. Uh, fun show, if you haven't seen it. Uh, black and white, you know, it's kind of that early Doctor Who era of British television. Very popular show uh, back in the day. And rounding out the cast, last but not least, but unfortunately late, great David Warner as the Waxwork Man, as his name is, he's known in the film in the credits, uh, 228 credits. If you don't know who David Warner is by name, 
you will absolutely recognize him immediately when you see him, or I would even uh, uh, add when you hear him. Uh, iconic actor, in my opinion. He's again 228 credits. He's been in everything. He was a villain in Titanic. He was, I say, he was one of the villains. He was the big bad in Titanic in terms of he was the one that uh, Billy Zane. He was a henchman that Billy Zane like, oh, go and uh, go and uh, kill that boy or whatever. You know, whatever. I've only seen Titanic once because I don't care for it. Uh, you know, he's that guy. He's the one that sh- you know shoots at him or frames DiCaprio, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he's Master Control, or he's the the guy working for Master Control in Tron, uh, in the Mouth of Madness, and he played Jack the Ripper in the criminally underrated science fiction film Time After Time. Uh, he was Jack the Ripper, and Malcolm McDowell was H.G. Wells. If you haven't seen that one, check it out. I think it's a like a '79 film. I don't think it's an '80s film, so we can't cover it on the podcast. And he did. Pretty much just passed away earlier this year in July, unfortunately. But again, major actor was in everything. He's one. He's he's like uh, Harry Dean Stanton. You know, he's like a lot of people recognize him, but probably didn't know his name. So already, in case you haven't noticed, this film has a pretty good cast, and the the biggest names aren't even the ones in the main cast. Uh, you know, which that that really does help in a film. I think you know if you, if you got a decent. Uh, main cast, but your supporting cast is really solid. That can really make up for any lack of acting ability that some people in the main cast have. And I'm looking at you, Zach Gallagher. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't, I do not. He, I, I love him in Gremlins one and two. I love him in Hatchet, but he's just, he's just, he's bad in this movie. <laughs> he's, just, uh, but, it, but it doesn't detract from the movie. So I don't know if it's genius on his part for how he's playing the character based on, you know, knowing the script and everything. Cause again, uh, if you didn't listen last week, this is the first time I've ever seen this movie. It's not a revisit. It's a fresh watch for me. Uh, and I, I, I enjoyed every second of this movie. It's just, it's, I wish I would have seen it a long time ago. Is the main thing. It's it's really really fun. Uh, I can't wait to watch the sequel. Uh, to be honest with you, but yeah. So this is a movie I, w- I always recognize the cover from the video store. Never watched it. Never ended up catching. I don't even know if it ever. I mean, it probably did air on TBS, TNT, all the usual suspects in that regard. But I never caught it, or at least never remembered it. But uh, I'll be damned. This movie was just enjoyable. Uh, just I don't know. All I can really say is it's just fun. It's you know, is is it good? I'd say, yeah, it's actually pretty good. It's, you know, and, uh, and not in a so good it's bad way. I think it really kind of leans into a lot of that, uh, kind of, I, I guess a, a good comparison to me, I guess, would be Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And I make that comparison because in Robin Hood, Prince of, Prince of Thieves, it's one of my favorite movies. I fucking love that movie. But you got Kevin Costner playing Robin Hood without an English accent. Because according to behind the scenes, his accent was really bad. You know, so you got, but that doesn't necessarily for me detract from the movie because I don't care because I'm just enjoying the movie so much. And you got Alan Rickman in one of his most iconic performances as the Sheriff of Nottingham, chewing every piece of scenery available in every single scene that he's in. It's incredible. And uh, that movie and his performance. And I mean, then you got all the, the supporting cast. Christian Slater turns in a really good, serious role in that movie. Uh, uh, the Friar, I forget his name, uh, Friar Tuck, but I forget the actor's name, but a uh, big English actor, good actor. And of course, uh, Michael, I almost said Ironside, Michael, uh, oh my God, he was in Nope. Uh, hold on, I'll get it. 
I could hear he's got that boy. He was top dollar in the crow. Michael, uh, oh my God. Hold on. Give me just a <laughs> sec. Michael Wincott. Oh, I knew I'd get it. Just gotta give me some time. But uh Michael Wincott, you know, it's the sheriff's brother, you know. That that movie's got such a good cast, but it it's it is, if you really think about it and break Robin Hood Prince of Thieves down, it's pretty silly because of some of the nuances of the actors that the actors bring to the role and the film itself. But I, I would I would say Waxworks the same way, but it's a horror comedy in that vein to where they play the horror straight. And it's the comedy that accentuate, you know, they, they, they feed off each other. So you're kind of, it's kind of like, they, almost like Evil Dead, I guess Evil Dead 2 might be a better, you know, inside baseball, so to speak, reference to where it's funny, but it's also horrifying. Because the gore in this movie is going to catch you off guard. How gory it is. This movie is exceptionally gory. And I'm really shocked because I'm a gore hound. I love like, you know, all, we always, here on the podcast, we love practical effects and all that kind of thing. And this film is loaded with them. And some pretty decent uh, effects as well, like in terms of the gore. Some, some of them work better than others. Uh, honestly, the worst effect in this movie is that when they show the waxwork statues, that there are, they are very clearly people standing still and not actual wax sculptures. That's mm. the biggest knock I can give this movie, to be honest with you. They go into the wax museum, they're showing all the people, and you can clearly tell, you know, these people are doing their absolute best, and they do a pretty good job of remaining as still as possible. But, you know, you got those slight little moves, so you can, you can clearly tell that it's obviously people standing still. But again, that doesn't that doesn't that's not detracting from anything. It's a nitpick, uh, and all the bad. All you know, again, this film is just so quirky and fun. Like you really can't even hold anything against it because it all, even the mistakes or the stuff like that I mentioned just now about you know the the waxwork people moving, the wax statues moving. Uh, it really just kind of plays into the whole feel of the film, and you know it. Uh, so I really, like I said, I just can't hold it against this against it, and it's just. Uh, I would. This is one of the most underrated horror films I've ever seen. Uh, this watching this for the first time now was almost kind of like watching Evil Dead Two to bring that back up again back in the day, where it's like nobody knows. At least, and everybody's story is different. I'm talking about you know late '80s watching Evil Dead Two on VHS at my friend Jason's house. Like, of course, people knew about it, but it wasn't a, that big of a deal. Like, we have the internet, so we don't know how big it was, but nobody except us knew about this movie. Talking about Evil Dead Two. Mm -hmm. And other movies, you know, in our circle, you know, the general people population doesn't know about it. But I feel like, you know, Waxwork, I just want to talk to people about this movie. Like, it's kind of like if I go to a convention, I'm talking to somebody and talk about underrated horror. The first movie I'm mentioning is going to be Waxwork. And if somebody else mentions it before me, I'm like, hell, this person knows what they're talking about because this movie is badass. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, obviously a glowing review from me, <laughs> pretty right. much. Uh, but uh, so I don't want to build it up too much. And that, that I might have already it might be too late for that. But me personally, I absolutely love this movie. Uh, <laughs> you know, this, you know, they, this could this could be great for a remake with the right cast. Uh, and you'll see and because of the, how the, the vignette kind of feature of how it works. The gist of it is they go to the waxwork that just pops up in the neighborhood. And if you go into the, if you cross the, like the barrier, it, it takes you into the, into the scene. So if it's a scene of uh, Frankenstein, when you cross the barrier, all of a sudden you're in that world. So it's almost like a lot of little stories, almost like creep show in a sense, but they're all tied together 
with the wax museum or as they call it wax works. Right. So it's, 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 a uh, you know, uh, cause I, and I just, again, I know the, I knew the name and the cover. So I assumed it was, it was wax stuff coming alive or something, you know, a, a different spin on the house of wax, which has been remade like three times, uh, from the OG. Cause the first one, Vincent Price one is actually a remake as well. In case you didn't know that. Uh, so that's a, a, the Paris Hilton house of wax is actually the third time that movie's been remade. But, uh, yeah, this movie, you know, it's just, again, uh, I, I hate it when I repeat myself because my parents do that. And when I hear myself repeating, I'm like, oh, I'm sounding just like my parents. But seriously, y'all, <laughs> this movie is just, it's just fun. It's just a good time. Get you a drink, sit down, watch it. You know, we're in the final stretch for Halloween now. Halloween is next Monday, a week from uh, tomorrow. Today, recording this on Sunday, recording a few days late because I'm still stressed for time uh, <laughs> moving in and everything. But, and work has just been crazy. In fact, Right before we started recording, I got a text on a Sunday about a project for work that I got to get to as soon as we get done. But uh, yeah, we're a week from Halloween. So this is, you know, this this last week before Halloween is when you got to watch all the all the, the main, you know, if you haven't watched some of the main films yet that you your, your standards, I guess I should say, you know, this is the week you got to get them in. You got to fit them in. But this October has been badass with uh, releases and everything. And honestly, you know, we had Halloween ends. We had the new Hellraiser. Interview with a Vampire on TV. Uh, the theater was been rocking. You had films like Barbarian and Terrifier 2. Uh, haven't seen the, those last two yet, but I know Barbarian's coming to streaming this week. And I think Terrifier 2 should be coming pretty soon, too. Uh, but honestly, at a, at a, between like Halloween's in and the new he- Halloween ends and the new Hellraiser, uh, the best hor- new horror movie I've seen this year <laughs> is Waxwork. <laughs> uh, and it's a 30, 40 year old movie, you know, so. Highest possible recommendation from me. Like I said, I loved it. I really can't say too much more about it without repeating myself as usual. Uh, Jesse, has, has this movie ever came into your come into your circle at all, or do you know anything about this? You ever see it back in the day or anything? No, I do not recall any of this. Yeah, me either. Pictures. I watched the clips. Nope, none of this. Yep, it's it's God, it's so what an underrated like, gem. Seriously, like hundred <laughs> percent. Like, like if TBS would have, maybe they did, and I just never caught it. But I mean, I watched. I mean, TBS and TNT were the weekend channels, and USA on the weekends after after you know the parents go to bed and the TV was ours. Those were the we were watching one of those three channels, and then eventually Spike TV because they would play MXC, and that's the only reason we'd usually watch Spike TV mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. But yeah, I don't. You know, if they did, I don't. I just don't remember it. Maybe they did, and I just you know watched it once, and it, it didn't hit me or something, or maybe I didn't catch it. But I'll be damned. This movie is fantastic. But uh, some pretty fun trivia on it, and here and, and, this, and some of this trivia ties into why I think they should absolutely uh, uh, they need to, they could remake it now and make it much more fun because of stuff like uh, Ready Player One and a lot of the meta horror that's going around right now, and it's, it's been around for a while, but it's kind of coming back a bit. Uh, but there were three characters that were supposed to be displays in the waxwork, but because of legal reasons, they couldn't. One was five children from Village of the Damned. One was the thing, uh, the John Carpenter version, not the thing from another world. And in fact, in, when you see some of the sets in the like the stages for the waxwork figures, you could see a snow one. So you know that's where they were going to put it, and they just changed it. And mm. last but not least, Jason Voorhees himself, <laughs> which how which. How awesome would, you know, like that would have, if he, if that would have been in this movie, this movie would have made millions, something like that. Some, you know, some big pool like that would have, or a boost would have elevated this movie so much 
in terms of public appeal. For real, for no. real. Waxwork 2 has Bruce Campbell in it. Which I did not know that until I, <laughs> after watching it, I looked up the sequel. Like, like, I'm like, yeah. like Bruce Campbell? I didn't, I, didn't know you, I didn't even know Bruce Campbell was in this movie. If you need a pull. Or, you know, have, <laughs> yeah, so, you would th- so you would think, you know, because Bruce Campbell's an icon, and pretty much mm-hmm. if he, everything he does, you know, draws attention or has drawn some of that audience to, you know, but I never, honestly, until I saw that, I didn't even know he was in Waxwork 2. And if I did, I completely forgot about it. So you would think, oh, Bruce Campbell's in Waxwork 2. Maybe more people would know about Waxwork 1. They don't. And they should. <laughs> it's a shame. Uh, so, yeah. But I'm looking forward to watching part two as soon as I can uh, find a way to watch it. Not sure mm. if it's on YouTube. Haven't checked it yet. But uh, in the shooting script, the character of Jonathan would be staring at an exhibit of Jason Voorhees. And when he looked at it... Uh, and he would then ask the character, like uh, the caretaker, like, oh, was, they made a movie about this Jason killing, didn't they? So it's, again, a meta reference in the 80s, well before Scream and a lot of the, a lot of the whole meta horror boom happened. So the original, uh, some of the original ideas for this film were actually way ahead of the time. It's time. But uh, in terms of the movie where Jason would have been, that's where you see the Phantom of the Opera thing instead. Uh, in the film, they use Phantom of the Opera because that's pretty much public domain. Uh, instead of Jason Voorhees. So that means free as opposed to working out a deal and paying an exorbitant amount of money. They went with the free. And honestly, when your budget was estimated at $3 million, your movie only made $808,000,000. That was a good idea because you saved some money there. But I think you know people would have heard that uh, Jason was in it in some form or fashion. It would have extremely elevated it for sure. Uh, after the policeman visits the waxwork with Mark, he realized that many of the statues of the victims resemble people from posters he had seen. When they show the posters on his desk, they're actually just copies of one of the posters from the opening credits of The Lost Boys, which came out a year before. Uh, Kane Hodder, speaking of Jason, who, played, uh, of course, was, became famous playing Jason Voorhees in 7, 8, and 9, uh, did stunt work for the movie, also had an uncredited role as Frankenstein's monster in it. Uh, in the earlier scene when the character of China is eating human flesh, which they don't, you don't realize that till later, even though it clearly kind of looks like it. It was basically a mix of rhubarb, watermelon, and strawberries. So if you want to gross out people on Halloween, you know, if you do, if you do the whole thing at your house and you have like, oh, I, I dropped my eyeballs, you got grapes on the floor or a bowl of grapes or something like that. Use rhubarb, watermelon, and strawberries, and it looks like dead flesh. It looks, it looks pretty mm. gross. It looks really fucking gross, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, the scene in the basement of the vampire's mansion, uh, the crew on this, when they filmed it, the crew, a lot of the crew mentioned that it was the bloodiest thing they, that they had ever seen to be put to the screen. And that final scene is pretty gory. However, the MPAA raises their horrible, disgusting head and cut out a ton of the gore. And I'm not sure if there's like a special, like, you know, a scream factory or arrow or vinegar syndrome release of this that might have any kind of restored footage. Haven't got that far in my research on it yet. Uh, but I need to find that out because if there is, I will absolutely pick this movie up on Blu-ray to own as opposed to renting. Uh, during the scene, of the, oh, wait, I already read that. Sorry. The house in the opening scene, I mentioned this last week. It's the same house that was used in Willard, the 1971 one, not the, the one that came out later with Crispin Glover and last week's movie, Witchboard. And it has since been retired as a filming location. Uh, but the house is still there, but the current owner has grown a huge hedge around it to make it less visible and discourage fans from taking pictures in front of it what an asshole don't Man. buy a house that was used in an iconic movie and then when people show up just to take pictures i'm sure some people aren't quite as polite as i am when i've gone to these locations like that and like walk up and maybe do stuff 
which in that case, get a nice fence and put a, you know, you know, pictures. If just put a sign up, don't grow a big ass hedge because then you can't see anything either. Walls <laughs> keep people out, but they also keep you in people. Don't forget that. Uh, the, uh, the special effects I mentioned were done by Bob Keen. He spent 18 hours every day for eight weeks straight working on a lot of the special effects and the creatures in the film. Uh, Zach Galligan hated that the director made him tuck his shirt in for the scene where his character leads the police into the waxworks. And he recalls watching the movie on USA's Up All Night. No. <laughs> oh, oh, you should have seen it then, Trey. Well, I did, here's why I didn't see it. It was one hosted by Gilbert Gottfried. It wasn't mm-hmm. Rhonda Shear. I, I'll be honest with you. I, no, rest, rest in peace, Gilbert Godfrey. He just passed away recently, too. I don't, I, I don't, I never dislike Gilbert Godfrey. I know he is. I, you know, I enjoy him. He's funny. He's a, was a hilarious guy. But on USA Up All Night, if I didn't know the movie, I was much more prone to keep watching the movie if Rhonda Shear was hosting. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Uh, not that I didn't watch USA Up All Night when Gilbert Godfrey hosted, but like, uh, like I said, if I'm flipping channels and it was Godfrey and we didn't know the movie, a lot of times we'd switch to something else if something else more notable was on. So it did come on USA Up All Night. Uh, but uh, Gall- Zach Galligan recalled that he heard Gilbert say, we'll be right back with Waxwork starring Zach Galligan after 40 cheeseburgers. And once he said that, uh, <laughs> he just hated it. It made him more self-conscious that he had his shirt tucked in. And obviously, when, you know, as a guy, when you tuck your shirt in, which, you know, you, gotta, you know, if you're going to tuck your shirt in, you need to have a belt. Okay. First off, guys, have a belt. Mm-hmm. Secondly, always make sure you're wearing, even if you got a belly, like most guys do. If you wear the right size that's correct for you and you got a belt, it's not going to look like you just had 40 cheeseburgers, okay? That's just basic, you know, gr- dressing yourself 101, okay? Don't blame Gilbert Gottfried, Zach Galligan. That's all I'm saying. Talk to the wardrobe people about a, sh- a shirt that fits at the top and the bottom, you know? You're on a movie set, man. Come on. But anyway, he also stated that he thinks the worst acting of his career was a scene where he pretends to be sick in order to get uh, Sarah out of class to go talk uh actually talks the talks to the police and that scene the acting is like absolutely atrocious but again for this film that character isn't supposed to be acting real in turn you know what i'm saying like believable because the the teacher character is so over the top and ridiculous uh him you know his character coming in being like oh god i'm so sick i gotta go to the hospital oh god sarah come with me we gotta go to the hospital right now that's about the quality of acting that you get in that scene uh, but you know he hates it, which say hey, that's fine. You're the actor; it's your call. But it it works for that character, so it's it is bad and over and silly. But it works because all the stuff in this movie just works. You know, I'm not, it, it's just a perfect storm of, and this sounds bad, but I don't mean it in a negative way. Mediocrity in terms of like directing, principal cast, all that stuff. But it all comes together to make something that is incredibly special. So uh, that's the bottom line and I'm sticking to it. Uh, but the director's father to always told him, I guess his father was a director or something or worked in show business, but he told him never wait to shoot the end of your film last because you will usually run out of money or time. And guess what happened? <laughs> they ran out of money and time. So the, the end was actually supposed to be like a four day shoot of different time hopping action and then they had to change it because they were running out of time and money. So they had to basically just do a big battle at the end. However, it works. It's so entertaining when it happens. And I don't want to spoil anything other than that uh, for people that haven't seen it. Because most of you probably haven't seen this movie. 
And if y'all, if you all have, let me know and let me know if I'm the last one on the, on the boat for this one. So at least I'll know and have hope for the future uh, that people actually do love this movie. But yeah, so again, like accidents like that or, you know, happenstances behind the scenes that, you know, seem derogatory on when you're reading it or thinking about it actually work to the movie's favor, you know, and it just works. Man. I, like, I'm, I'm literally excited to talk about this movie in case you haven't noticed. Because it's so fucking good in a good way, you know, not not so bad. It's good. It's just it's just a good time capsule of a late, you know, it's a perfect late 80s horror movie. Uh, I guess that's the best way to put it. But uh, like I said, you know, they ran out of money at the end. Uh, David Warner, uh, due to his film schedule, because, again, the guys over two had over 200 credits on IMDb. They only had him for two days. So all of his, every single one of his shots was done in two days. Days, which is pretty impressive because he's got a good amount of screen time and not, you know, it's not just like, oh, half of his shots are in front of the house. The other half of his shots are in his office. No, he's all over the multiple sets and everything. So they had to film all that around his schedule, which that on a production level, pretty impressive. And as I mentioned, there is one sequel that came out in 1992 called Waxwork 2, Lost in Time. And uh, Deborah Foreman, who played Sarah, was going to reprise her role as well, along with Zach Galligan. But she was dating the director. Uh, Anthony Hickox uh, at the time, and they were during the making of the first film, they had what the director described as, quote, a messy breakup prior to filming part two. So she declined to return to the role. So that's why only Zach Galligan returns from the first. But you got Bruce Campbell. So worthy trade off. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> score wise, I get this movie an eight. I probably could even give it higher, but I don't want to oversell it too much. Uh, so in case you haven't noticed again, <laughs> just really, <laughs> I, I just, I just really like this movie, man. Like it's, it's, it's a, it was an, this was an absolute undiscovered gem for me. Uh, you know, I think the, I know that one, I know at least one version of the Blu-ray has like commentary with the director and Zach Galligan. I'd love to listen to that. So I'm, I'm actually going to pick this movie up to add to my collection eventually, whenever I kind of figure out like the best version, or maybe there's a nice two pack with both of them. But uh, yeah, great film, my opinion. Great horror film. It's a fun movie. I get in terms of comparison, honestly, it's kind of along the lines of the Monster Squad, you know, in that in that kind of balance of comedy and horror. Although in Waxwork, I don't think the comedy's quite as intentional. But again, it just worked for me. Will it work for you? I don't know. Let us know. Agevisit at gmail.com. And you know, the thing about wax statues is, you know, you got to keep them clean. You, they can't get too hot. And, you know, you got to keep, keep them nicely groomed, nicely mm. manscaped for the, the masculine ones and ladyscaped for the feminine ones. And one of the best ways to do that, ladies and gentlemen, is, of course, with the manscaped lawn. Uh, uh, what's the name of the package, Jesse? Performance package. <laughs> per thank you. Thank you. That's not what I call my package. <laughs> but it's the uh, performance package 4.0, which has the lawnmower 4.0, the weed whacker, which is the nose trimmer, which... That alone, even if you don't get the if you don't get the the performance package, I'm telling you, if you're looking for a good nose hair trimmer, get mm -hmm. the uh, weed whacker. It is fantastic, the best nose trimmer I've ever used in my life. And believe me, I use I've used at least six different ones. So mm -hmm. I do have a little bit of say. I'm not an, I'm not an expert. I don't work for consumer reviews, but believe me, I'm always look for a good uh, nose hair trimmer. It's like I said, I got Italian nostrils, Italian nostrils and eyebrows, and let me tell you the combination of the uh, lawnmower 4.0. With the guard across my eyebrows, 
Weed whacker up the nose real quick. In the year, every two weeks. I'm good to go. I'm nicely manscaped. <laughs> so, uh, and again, if you want to get take advantage of that, just go get free shipping and 20% off if you use the code REVISITED at manscaped.com. So Thank check that out. supporting the show. Absolutely. And then, uh, yeah, Waxwork again released June 17th, 1988. And in the real world, a few days later, six days later to be precise, NASA scientist James Henson testifies to the U.S. Senate that man-made global warming has begun, becoming one of the first environmentalists to warn of the problem. <laughs> woke alert, woke alert. Oh, my God, progressive alert. Yes, that's right. Global warming is real. Uh, do your own research, sure, whatever, but it's real. Funny, you, <laughs> Plenty you, you of evidence. You can do your own research these days, but it's always just people research Bias. looking for, yeah, exactly. They're looking for things that are already agree with them. <laughs> Confirmation bias. Yep. Don't, look for the, don't look for what you're trying to find out. Look at the problem itself. Don't research like, oh, I heard that uh, bleach, you know, drinking bleach cures COVID. Don't go search bleach cures COVID because you're <laughs> yeah, going to exactly. find, you know, a half and half thing. Like, oh, studies have shown that in scientific studies in a Petri dish, pouring bleach on a cancer cell kills COVID. Yeah, but it kills the cell, too. You know, so, I mean, come on, people. All right. End of the woke alert. End of the woke alert. Uh, but then, uh, unfortunately, a week before this premiered on June 17th, on June 10th, Famous Wild West American writer Louis L'Amour passed away. So unfortunately, Mr. L'Amour died before he could see Waxwork. Unfortunately. Mm. So sorry, Louis, you missed the boat on that one. And I did too until just a couple of days ago. So don't, <laughs> don't feel so late to the party. But don't, little uh, mm -hmm. grave humor there. Okay, moving on. Back to the future this week. Uh, I the, only new, the only new thing I did finally catch was a horror film from earlier this year. Uh, I would say Ty West's latest, but he has an, he made at least two films this year. The first earlier this year called X, and the follow-up to that, Pearl, which he secretly filmed while they were filming X, which is pretty damn cool. And a third one's on the way, so there's going to be a whole trilogy about this. But uh, X uh, is great. Loved it. Uh, I think Ty West is a great writer-director. He always brings something unique and kind of different uh, while feel, having some familiarity to it. But basically, the gist of X is a group of people in Texas are going to a farm to do a porno. And I'll leave it at that because it goes places. Mm. <laughs> uh, all you need to know is it's, a, it's an A24 horror film. So there you go. It's a, a, that's, a, that's a setup, and it goes from there. Uh, I recommend it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It's got some great gore. It was very entertaining. Like I said, uh, Ty West is, I think, a really, really good horror director. Uh, he's done other stuff like, uh, of course, X and Pearl with the most recent. He did um, uh, House of the Devil. And uh, oh, there's a big one I'm missing. VHS, The Innkeepers. Uh, Innkeepers is one of his earlier ones. There's another, like, he did like a segment on VHS. But uh, hold on, let me see. What, I'm, what am I missing here? Sacrament. Oh, The Sacrament. Yeah, that, yeah. that uh, found footage, kind of a Jonestown kind of thing. I'm not the biggest found footage fan, but when, it, when a found footage film is done well, or I guess my biggest problem with found footage films is when there's no reason for people to be recording, yet they're recording. Mm. Like that recent film, Dash Cam, which I talked about a couple episodes ago, where like, if I'm running for my life, 
I'm not going to stop and go back and pick up a camera I dropped to continue running with it. Right. That, you know, when that, when that happens in a found foot, I'm out. You know, Blair Witch, they're supposed to be filming. So they literally have the camera in their hand. Now, of course, they never, there's never a part where they drop it. And then, you know, that they could have worked that in there one, in one of the nights to add some realism to it. But they didn't need to at that point. But the sacrament is a, basically, it's a documentary crew. So the, kind of like, almost like a cannibal Holocaust setup to where they're going to film. They have permission to go film at this retreat for this basically cult. It's basically Jonestown, but it goes, it's good. Like, uh, as far as found footage films go, it's one of the better ones that I've seen. Uh, so I definitely recommend it. To me, again, I haven't seen Pearl. I've seen his other films, most of them, I believe, at least Ty West. I mean, the Sacrament was my favorite. I mean, it was, it was disturbing. It got, it got to me. And the main guy playing the Jim Jones kind of esque character is, uh, oh, I can't think of his name, but he's a character actor. But he was, uh, you would recognize him from No Country for Old Men. He's the guy opposite uh, Javier Bardem in the, fa- in the coin scene. You know, mm. call it. He's that guy. Can't, yeah. uh, let's see. Uh, Gene Jones. That's his name. That's funny. He's playing a Jim Jones type character and his name's Gene Jones. <laughs> no relation. But uh, yeah, Gene Jones plays father as he's credited in that movie. Uh, and he, fantastic actor. Like, at, like, I mean, of course he was good in that scene with No Country, in no Country for Old Men, but a, a very, very talented older, you know, if you need an older actor and Tommy Lee Jones is too expensive, get Gene Jones. Not related mm-hmm. to Tommy Lee Jones either, I guess. Uh, but a fantastic actor and again The Sacrament if you're looking for a good found footage movie check that one out if you haven't seen it but yeah Ty West great director I really liked X uh, Pearl I think is it either just hit streaming or it's about to come out for streaming as well uh, looking forward to watch that it's, Pearl's actually a prequel to X so you can see X I mean because X came out first so I mean I don't think you need to watch them in an order I haven't seen Pearl to give a better uh, a better advice on maybe which order but you know, watch X and then watch Pearl. I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. That's how they came out. And uh, I'd be remiss not to mention the new Call of Duty campaign started, or I think it had early access. If you bought it, you can play the right. campaign early. Week ahead. Uh, yeah. yeah, which, uh, of course, my brother and uh, sister-in-law both work for Infinity Ward. My brother did a lot of the story work on this game. Uh, sister-in-law's producer. Uh, only two missions in. It's fun. It looks, it's, it looks graphically, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Story-wise, it's Call of Duty. It. Yeah, I mostly want to get it just for the campaign. I actually kind of enjoyed I mean, the all... last one, the Modern Warfare campaign. Like, yeah, it was, it was visually really... looking at it, it just looks like a movie. Yeah, absolutely. The same thing. Uh, of course, <laughs> I've given, I've spoke before on the podcast. Uh, you know, you, the Call of Duty series always wears its inspirations on its sleeve when it comes to visuals and uh, set pieces, so to speak. Just look at the past, you know, whatever blockbuster movies have come out since the last one. <laughs> you'll see nonsense those in them. Yeah. And of course I'm saying that with a wink, but also that is exactly kind of what they do. Cause I've been to their, I've been to the studio several times and seen their, uh, what are they, it's not called that, but you know, people call it a, what do they call it? Something board, a visual board or right, right. dream board, I, like just idea. whatever that term is yeah. idea board, you know? And it's like, I'm like, Oh, that's from, you know, this was years and years ago. Oh, that's from the last Transformers movie. That's from the last Pass and the Furious movie. That's from the rock. <laughs> that's from Terminator two. Yes, you got to <laughs> so, sneak a again, he's revisited reference in there somewhere. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I tried <laughs> to write something on one of the things and sneak it up there, but it didn't work. So what's this? I, did, I, did, I was <laughs> now on the. I'm not sure which which game it was, but uh, I find this story entertaining. Uh, 
So I'm going to tell it. I might have told it already. So if you heard it already, forgive me. But a lot of people probably haven't who are listening now because we're what 250 plus episodes into this <laughs> right. podcast. But uh, always someone's first. For the, it uh, had to. I think it was for the maybe the original Modern Warfare or the second one, the original second one. It's whichever <laughs> one you were actually like. There was an underwater like infiltration part, and mm-hmm. then the testing version that I got to test. One of the first people outside of the company to test it. Uh, not that that means anything. Yeah. But um, in this sequence, you know, there's sharks in the water. And in this sequence, four people get monster closeted by sharks, eaten by sharks. That's more people than are killed worldwide a year. So uh, when after it happened the second time, I'm laughing. And they're like, What's up? oh, excuse me, Trey. Uh, so what was funny right there? I said, well, another person got eaten by a shark. And that doesn't happen <laughs> like that, you know. <laughs> And then it happened a third time. I just like I just put my hands down. Like I was making sure they were like like guys, come on, people don't get eaten by sharks this much. And again, <laughs> I'm that's a it's a video game, people. I know that, but I, I I'm also hey, what have I what have I what have I done more than play video games? Watch Shark Week since it started in '82 or whenever it was. Uh, I think it was like mid '80s. I think is when Shark Week came out. I was playing our Atari before that, so that's an improper statement. But anyway. Yeah, so I called them out on the sharks eating people, and when the finished game came out, they reduced it by one, but there were still multiple, <laughs> uh, you know, scripted events of enemies getting eaten by sharks. So that's not how it works in the real world. Mm. But uh, a lot of stuff. You're looking doesn't. out for them sharks, though. I'm trying. I got somebody's got to speak. I mean, that's it's it's, it's just uh, prolif- proliferating that false stereotypes that sharks are man eaters. They're not. Cows mm. are more dangerous than sharks, people. You don't see people, you know, don't eat the burger. No, it's not. I don't know. Anyway, so Jesse, uh, you had any time since the last, <laughs> last, uh, actually, it's been a literal week since we recorded because we did record last Sunday as well because of my hectic schedule. Yeah. Uh, you were able to catch anything new or unique? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, actually, I started, um, I finally got the Destiny 2. I had never played it. I spent. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's free. So I was like, I could try this for an afternoon. Oh, I finished Far Cry 6 as well. Mm. Uh, Me too. Yeah, Far Cry. Eh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I was more glad Far when Cry. It was over. I was thankful. Oh, I was too. We got to the point, you know, I was playing it co op the whole time. We got to the point to where we were just like, okay, go for the gold missions, which are the storylines. Just keep going for that. Don't get sidetracked. Yep. We just want to see this end. And, uh, it's fine. A couple of the deaths were shocking at the end, but that was or unexpected, I should say. But that was right. Was, yeah, you, you were saying it's, it's you, Far Cry, and that's fine. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was fine. I pref- I prefer five or even the sequel to yeah. five. Um, and even those were kind of like six and a half, sevens. You know. So I would mm-hmm. say Far Cry Six is aptly six, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, Destiny, so I just had, I just played it for like a day, and I got to the point where you unlock, where you can see everybody and do all the world stuff, but everything leading up to mm-hmm. that, it runs smooth, looks nice, it really reminds me of the old Halo days, because, you know, it's a bungee game, yeah, maybe I was bungee, just making yeah. that association, but I mean, like, the way the vehicles move, the way, even grenade physics are just like the mm-hmm. old Halo, so, yeah, it was fun to play that. I liked it. Yeah, but nobody, even though, see, you see that, but nobody in our group, when it came out, except me and Jason, <laughs> were the only people that played Destiny. 
And I think Jason still plays Destiny too. So uh, you know, if you if you did if you were going to keep it up and you wanted somebody to play with, I'm sure he would jump in there with you and help you get some unlocks and stuff. Because I mean, it's basically an MMO at this point now. With Destiny, yeah, that's the thing that attracted me to play it is to see how MMO y it is. But it, uh, you know, it's these free MMOs. They're constantly trying to stuff uh, different coin types down your throat, hoping you buy one of them. Like just mm. like Far- Far Cry Six, whenever you run into town, it switches a third person view. Destiny 2 does this too. And the reason is, is so you can see yourself and be like, ooh, I look ugly. I want to buy some stuff to make myself <laughs> not look as ugly. There's no other reason for it. It's like, yeah, there's no reason to cut the third person or to even have the option to turn it off. You know, it's strictly there. Destiny is more so for the storytelling, like getting the missions and all that. I think it's just meant to be more. Don't be fooled, maybe. Trey. It's there so you can <laughs> spend some coins on your uh, the way you look. I mean, I'm pretty sure that Far Cry obviously takes just pieces of other games and threw it in their game. Like, um, yeah, they've done that since day one almost. Yeah. And this is one of the things they took is just we're switching the third person for no reason. It was even worse there because you couldn't jump. Whereas in Destiny, you can at least jump, but you can't run fast in Destiny. So, and then for no reason at all, they put in like in the main city, they put everything so far away. Like from yeah. each other, that you do so gotta like, hike it to get to some of the different. Yeah, so you gotta hike it just so you can keep watching yourself move. There's no <laughs> reason for it other than just to be more disappointed in the way you look. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, uh, well, uh, see, honestly, but well, Destiny originally didn't have like to where you could buy cosmetics and stuff like that. That was a later. A lot of it when it came out was more like when you you know seeing how other people look told you what they'd done in the game which mm-hmm. is I how I like it to be for like MMOs. So like, oh shit, that dude has the fucking uh, uh, armor from the raid. He has the, I forgot the names of some of the, the machine armor from the machine raid. Oh, like maybe, maybe he'll help us do it or whatever. You know, it's like, it was, an, it was a signifier of like your, your uh, accomplishments in game as opposed to like, oh, that dude bought the, the pack that gives him the sparkling gold helmet or right. Whatever, Ooh, but I will say in, in Destiny though, <laughs> it wasn't jarring because you know it shows you go to your ship, and then like then you're in the city. Whereas in Far Cry Six, it's like you're walking, and all of a sudden it's like you just zoom out of your body, right? And you're in the you know which so it's kind of very disorienting in Far Cry Six the first time that happened. Mm-hmm. And the b- bases weren't made for in Far Cry Six. Like I, you'd be constantly running into like a log, and you can't jump over it. <laughs> yeah, I got home all the time. Like, trying to chase yeah. the little dog companion to like find his little things to get him to unlock him I was like several times. Got like, what am I stuck on? Like, oh, yeah, it's a dog bowl. And like they make the whole base on a mountainside, so it's like yeah. <laughs> it's really hard <laughs> to move around. Yeah, uh, it's not a good sign when you're ready for a game to end. Yeah, that's not that's bad. You should not want it to end. Uh, I don't know how far exactly. I'm going to get in, in Destiny Two. I'll play it a little more, but knowing that it's gonna be like a forever game or seemingly um i don't know i really like the way it moves and if i'm gonna play a shooter i think it's a great choice um i just don't know how long i could just be locked into this one view doing this one thing and Mm -hmm. the stakes aren't very high like well well now especially like when it came out we were living update to update like me and jason playing it because like it would get monotonous like they, you know, they, they had a hard time keeping uh, you, the, the fan base interested. It was just mainly doing Crota raids over and over and over. Once, you can only do once a week, so we only do the raids once a week. 
Mm. Uh, but now there's so much content because it's an older game now. You know, I I would think new players wouldn't have that issue. Yeah, but I mean, there was a time in Destiny too where you're you were living update. You know, just you get we'd get on once you get on once a week, and you do your raid, and then if there was an event, maybe you go do that. Mm. But uh, I think the cool I think the cool thing about Destiny is, and my my advice to you or anybody who hasn't played it was just play it till you're not having fun. Like it's free. Like you said, it's free now. It wasn't free when it came out. Uh, the expansions yeah. are paid. Uh, but uh, yeah, you they know, keep trying to sell me the latest expansion was like forty bucks. <laughs> so, I don't, and they also have the battle pass and stuff like that. It's so as it's as free as uh, Rocket League is, you know, where you can play <laughs> it. You don't have the battle pass; you're only getting half of prizes for playing. Yep. I mean, these models must work. That's why everyone's switching to them. Yeah, I mean that's just the current thing, and it's, yeah, yeah. I think some games it's ruined. Some games it's you know if it it's just like you said. It's, just, it's just, there's too many games that are doing that. Like it's mm-hmm. you know it's gonna it's gonna it's gotta stop. Like not not you know Rainbow Six went that way. It's like oh my god. Like no, I'm fine. Like I'll buy a cosmetic when you come out with something new that looks cool. Yeah. But I don't need a battle pack because uh, I can't. You know nobody's playing all these games at once. You know you gotta. It, it, the, I think the, the battle pass thing really restricts like players like me who have limited time. Mm-hmm. To either only playing one or not even playing at all because you know you can't keep up. Right. You know, just playing strictly casual and not spending money. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, uh, like uh, I've talked how like when Friday the 13th, the game came out, like I played it every day. And then like, you know, it basically died because it, they, they couldn't support it anymore. So, you know, it, my, you know, I, we, I, you know, slowly progressed off of it. And then, uh, but then you have stuff like Apex Legends, which are from Perry. He's, he plays that like every single day. Yeah, he does. Like him and like, I mean, a lot, like every day. And I played it with him for a good month. Like every day we got on and played. And she's like, oh, that's cool. Oh, battle pass. Oh, ba- okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, but then that has it. Red Dead has it. Like every game that has an online component has a battle pass. And it's just like, you know what? Okay. If that's the case, your game should be free then. Period. Apex Legends is free. Yeah. So like that's I'm fine with that. I don't have to. I can play it how I want to. But Rainbow Six, uh, Destiny originally wasn't free. It's free now. So that's you know that in a sense though you got to pay for the expansions. Apex the expansion you know the seasons are free, but uh, you know you got to play the game to unlock stuff. You can everything not everything, but you get you can unlock all the characters in Apex just by playing it long enough. You can do that in Rainbow Six too. However, they added the battle pass with all these badass skins and all this other stuff, cosmetics. Which, you know, they come out with a cosmetic that's cool that appeals to me. Hell yes, I'll buy it. I have no problem dropping five bucks on a on a kick ass cosmetic that only I get to see because I know I'm wearing it and it looks cool. I'm fine with it. <laughs> but whenever you know you're playing five different games, they all have battle passes, and you know, or or maybe like oh, they, maybe like you're playing a game and oh, they have a snake eye skin from GI Joe, but it's level a hundred in the battle pass. I'm never going to get that. Mm-hmm. You know, no. Oh, or you can pay 20 bucks. You know what? If it's that good, I'll pay you 20 bucks instead of having me do the battle pass crap. You know, or you know, to me, almost the battle pass should be free. The battle pass stuff should be free or you can leap ahead by paying, which you can do in Apex. You can pay like so many credits to like jump ahead on the battle pass, which fine. You know, like, OK, at least you have that option to where like if you're that hard up on like this badass thing that you want for your character, that's fine because there's no initial investment. 
Yeah. You know, if I buy a $60 game and Capcom and Tecmo are terrible about this, you know, the new Street Fighter comes out. Yeah, you're going to pay 70 bucks for the game, but that's just the base game. Then they're going to release the Halloween costume pack. They're going to release the classic costume pack. And every one of those things is going to be $9.99 or it's going to be five bucks for every character you want. You know, or guess what? Wait till about, you know, two years from now after it comes out and then you can get the full edition and you got to pay for all that crap. But it's like, like, you know, a $60 game shouldn't have like this many transactions like games are having these days, in my opinion. At that point, your game should, the game, game prices should go down. Mm-hmm. And then the online stuff is supplementing, which I'm fine with that model because then I can do what I want to do. I don't have to do this. You know, I don't have to buy the full game when, you know, I shouldn't have to buy a full game when it's not a full game. And that's been going, this is, this is not new. This is not new. No. You know, ever since Xbox Live kicked off, this was all, you know, people were always saying that's how it's going to get to, how microtransactions are going to ruin gaming. And we're there. We probably, some people want to say we've been there for a while. Uh, I think we've just gotten there pretty recently because now every game that doesn't even need it, a battle pass or whatever, has a battle pass. <laughs> Every shooter has a battle pass. Like you can't play, you know, back in the day, we could play multiple shooters. We can go from Ghost Recon to Halo 2 to Rainbow Six to whatever run of the mill shooter was out there. And we had, as long as you had the game, we were good. You didn't have to go do all this other crap. It's just, you know, it's just so much gotcha, gotcha, however they call it, whatever they want to call it, mechanics. It's just like, ugh, I just want to buy a game and that's the game. And it, I can unlock stuff in it. That's fine. Totally fine with that. Or like uh, Resident Evil 8 had it to where like, oh, you can pay 10 bucks when the game comes out and unlock everything from the beginning, which I'm not going to do that because I want to play the game. But, you know, some people, you know, the older I get, the more I see that being an option if I (laughs) want to just have fun. Like normally the Call of Duty games, I've beaten every Call of Duty game except the last one on Veteran. I don't have time for that shit anymore to play the same level 50 times because one random bullet from somewhere kills me right before a checkpoint that, you know, whatever. So yeah, I just I play games on normal now. I've, I, some of them yeah. I find a hard time. I used to not. I used to like make it a, like a personal mission. Don't knock it to easy. Now I don't care. My time is more valuable than dealing with a frustrating video game. Right. And, I, and if you're listening to this and you're a youngin, this will happen to you too, young one. <laughs> Unless dead you're ass. a professional streamer. <laughs> yeah, you're dead ass. I'm dead ass about this. <laughs> for real, for real, fam. Me and Jesse looked up Urban Dictionary before this episode. We, 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 we're keeping it real. We know what's what. We needed answers. What does deadass mean? <laughs> yeah. It means serious. It means serious. For anybody that doesn't know. Because we didn't know that. And I, we still don't understand how it came to that. I mean, but wow, that, I knew oh, it. But, <laughs> but yeah. there was a time oh, where oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right, Jesse. There was a time none of us did. No, but anyway. Uh, yeah, Urban Dictionary for all your modern, dic- modern, uh, <laughs> modern language answers, I guess. Okay, that end of tangent for this episode. That was wow, that one came out of nowhere right at the end. <laughs> Surprise tangent. But uh I'm sure let a lot us of know your agree. thoughts about I'm sure, absolutely. Uh, let us know your thoughts, 80s Revisited at gmail.com on Facebook, 80s Revisited Podcast, on Instagram, 80s underscore revisited. Shout out to our good friends near and far, John with the Cajun Toy Review on YouTube, and of course, Doomslayer himself in TCW Tasmanian Championship Wrestling, Ben Wyatt. Kicking ass and taking names, man. Three wins in a row for our boy. And uh, Doom Slayer, he took a hell of a chair shot yeah, in his I last match. Oof. I'm like, oh, oh. I was like, my, I I'm like, oh, 
I was like, Autumn, watch this. Uh, some some programs. <laughs> yeah, they won. They won allow a frontal headshot. Yeah. But uh, you know, Doom Doom Slayer. I love you, Doomy. Let's not let's not take too many of those. <laughs> yeah. Save those for the pay per view, son. Uh, but yeah, stay safe. Uh, doing what you're doing, Ben. Keep it up. And of course, we would ask everybody if you feel inclined, leave a review, leave a comment, any of that. And 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 we welcome bad reviews too, good or bad. We just ask that if you leave a bad review. Tell us why. And for the two people that left one star reviews that were just like, I don't agree with their politics. And that's putting it nicely what they said, by the <laughs> way. Uh, which is fine. But a little more than that, please. You know, I don't think that, you know, let's let's talk. Not that you have to we're gonna talk about it in the in the uh, review. But of course, we respond to every review on the air. So and we'll get, you know, we'll, we got receipts because everything we say is recorded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if, you, and if you're going to call us out on something in a review. You better go listen to it not once, not twice, but at least three times to make sure your facts are straight. To know that we actually did talk about something for either, as you say, a minute or literally less than two seconds. So, and if less than two seconds of somebody's opinion ruins your day, get the fuck out of here. And that's the bottom line. (laughs) Anyway, so there you go. Next week, we're going to be wrapping up our Halloween hootenanny of horror of the letter W as we finally get to. The original, not the sequel, which was mentioned about five times in this episode, Warlock, starring the underrated actor, in my opinion, Julian Sands. You might know him from The Doctor and Arachnophobia. Uh, that's where I always remember him from. That and Warlock, of course. But uh, Warlock's a fun one. That's going to be a revisit for me. Haven't seen it in a long time. Looking forward to watching that one again. Uh, and that one, I think, is streaming. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's on Amazon. I mean, I'm sorry, not Amazon. Uh, Netflix. but. Uh, should have done this before the podcast. <laughs> Warlock, is it streaming? That's all you got. Every time you want to know something, just is it streaming? Just search it. You know, click quick link. Uh, Apple TV. You can watch it for free with ads on Tubi. You can buy it on Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube. So looks like nowhere free to watch it except Tubi with ads. Uh, but most TVs have Tubi as an uh, as an app these days, so you can definitely watch it with ads for free on. Tubi, T-U-B-I. Mm, so until next week, everybody. Oh, what was that? Not a sponsor. <laughs> nope. Could be. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, they're free, so give us some give us some Tubi shirt. Give me a Tubi shirt to wear. <laughs> or something like that. Or a code that eliminates ads oh, on Tubi. Maybe there's a Tubi, maybe there's a Tubi premium. Some giveaways. But uh I've I've honestly never I don't think I've ever used Tubi. Uh, but I've heard other people in, in some of the groups I'm in on Facebook and other sites say like, oh, I watched it on Tubi or Tubi has a really good horror selection for uh, the month of October and all that. Hmm. So I have heard good things about it, but I've never been in a situation where I needed to resort to it. Not that that's a bad thing. I just have never needed <laughs> to spend to the it. effort to do it. Not a bad thing, but <laughs> I had to resort <laughs> to it. Exactly. The second I said it, I'm like, that sounds harsh. Let me, <laughs> let me backtrack a little bit. So everybody, stay safe, stay spooky, watch some horror movies. One week to go to the big day, and then it's all Mariah Carey till the new year. So mm. enjoy this week, everybody. <laughs> and until next time, I hopefully will remain Trey Harris. Yes, he said you'll Cowabunga! Leave.